some customers start crawling fast. Some you still need to carry them. And uh, some start working less than when you expect. So no customer is left out because everything has a global benefit, as it were, as it regards global warming from a world's viewpoint. You are listening to the Beyond Buildings podcast, where we talk to innovative leaders on how they create optimal value in a smart world context. We combine strategy and technology talk to absorb reality, embrace uncertainty, and to go from path dependency to path creation. It's smart cities, it's smart buildings, it's data strategies, it's construction, it's real estate and industry 4.0, and most of all, it's smart people. And remember, it's the data you don't have that will change your life. With your host, the future shaper, the ecosystem architect, Nicholas Wern. This episode is sponsored by Platform of Trust. I like Platform of Trust because it enables companies to create value from any type of data. Therefore, it saves time, money, and it's the perfect tool for companies who want to make data-driven decisions on data they can trust. They make it easy to collect, harmonize, and trust the data from different sources and basically any source that you want. And you don't need to hire 10 IT technicians or spend hundreds of thousands for a cloud platform because Platform of Trust can manage integrations and you'll see if something goes down in real time. Platform of Trust enables companies to take action based on the data that you can trust. Today, not tomorrow. Welcome to the Beyond Buildings podcast, and thank you for being a guest on this show. Tell the audience who you are, where you are in the world, and what you're working on. My name is Sean. I live in Canada, Toronto. I'm a service specialist. At the moment, I work on HVAC systems, building automation, and uh, fire and alarm systems for customers within Ontario as a whole, which is a province in Canada. Awesome. How long have you been working with HVAC and building automation? I started working for HVAC and building automation from Nigeria. And when I migrated to Canada three years ago, I took it up from there And um, because I have a passion for it. And since I know the benefit of it as it regards humanity and um, cost saving, I decided to continue my career within that space. Out of interest, because I've done a lot of business in Nigeria, I invested in an audiobook startup was it six years ago? So I know, well, some parts of Nigeria at least, right? So how long did you work with it uh, in Nigeria? How you started and how you got into this industry? I think that's very, very interesting as well, if you can. I started off with my background when I had a degree in mechanical engineering. I realized that um, heating and cooling was something we could not do about as human, right? And it's not an industry that was ever going to like um, become obsolete. So I realized that there was going to be a lot of innovations around the industry from time to time. And it was important that smart people get used to it and um, look for ways on how they can improve human comfort, reduce uh, energy wastage and um, carbon dioxide um, as it affects the environment. So that was where I picked it up from. And I started from Nigeria. Mainly in Nigeria, it was more of cooling because it's a tropical environment, Africa as a whole. And there was a bit of heating I got involved to, your electric heater and all of that, but it wasn't on a large scale like how I have it in Canada today. So I picked up from there and I had a lot of experience working with different building, commercial, hospital, IT buildings and all of that. But when I came to Canada, 
I saw a different twist to it. And since I realized that Canada was a country that was advanced with technology as regards um, HVAC and building automation, it became a good uh, enabler for me to continue my passion. Interesting. So what was the company that you worked for in Nigeria? Was it one of the big ones or was it more like a smaller outfit or... The company was a contractor to the big companies. So we had a lot of projects that we're doing from Samsung and um, Johnson Control. So we we go bid for those projects for hotels and for commercial buildings. And those were how we involved with um, HVAC. Awesome. You said that Canada has a little bit of higher digital maturity, right? Or more technologically advanced. In what aspects would you say that was? Was it also from the customer aspect, as in desiring more data readiness or more that the buildings themselves were technologically more equipped in Nigeria? And was it a difference between, let's say, hospitals, commercial real estate, airports, etc.? I would love to hear about that. If I should look at the difference from a Canada standpoint, Canada has more of the customers. Canada has a readiness. If you compare it to Nigeria, Canada is taking more risk as it regards um, the use of these technologies as compared to Nigeria. The readiness for Nigeria is a, a bit kind of slow because the awareness is not really top of the mind, as it were. So that's a major difference. And most of what I worked on in Nigeria were hotels. Actually, before I came, there was a Hilton project where they were about considering stepping up their equipment to be monitored remotely with the use of building automation. But um, I think it was all about the project owner seeing the big picture of the value that was that we wanted to bring to the table, right? Well, fortunately, I had to relocate to Canada and that project had to be suspended. One of the things I know I'm looking forward to is like getting more experience here and um, taking the value back to Africa for them to really migrate to the smart technology use. You said some really interesting points, I think. like One is, of course, readiness perspective. But also, I think there are two points that I really want to touch upon is that awareness about what, and then also taking risks. You said like Canada, that they're taking more risks. What do you mean with that? From a project management standpoint, when we talk about risk, it doesn't have to be something negative, right? Risk could also be a positive thing. So in the risk aspect here, Canada are embracing more of the use of um, smart technology readiness as it affects their building in terms of cost saving, occupancy comfort, and all of that. So they are the ones who are like, they are acting as a frontier, embracing what is out there with the use of technology. So that's why I feel to a reasonable extent, if you want to compare the awareness level in Canada as to Nigeria, Canada is more aware of the usefulness of what the market is uh, bringing to them, probably because they are close to the U.S., so they share the same borders, right? So they share the same level of information in as much as their neighbors. The U.S. faster in terms of accepting new things compared to Canada, but notwithstanding, Canada is still one of the uh, countries on the map where people could look forward to in terms of embracing smart technology. Awesome. And I think that that's a fantastic answer. So I love what you said about risk not being negative, but actually taking risks to sort of like to grab the benefits. And that's sort of like that it's coupled with awareness as well, right? What are you working on right now? Do you see that there has been more of a trend towards occupancy, as in people, and now like post-COVID? What is it that sort of the real estate owners demand from buildings? 
is there a difference? And also what occupants, the users of buildings, what is it that they demand that buildings either have or that they need to have in the future, in your opinion? I just started working with um, the fifth largest integrated service company in Canada called Ensworth. And um, one of the few things I've been able to gather and I see the direction of where the company is going, there's a lot of focus on indoor air quality and um, controlling buildings remotely. And as a result of the effect of COVID as a pandemic, most building owners are more interested in a value proposition whereby there could be a reduced number of physical interaction with people and equipment. So most of um, the customers are more interested in value propositions that could make them provide solutions from a remote standpoint. So Ensword, as um, a big player, right, we are working towards ensuring that most buildings can be controlled remotely. And at the same time, as a company, they are also interested in looking for other smart solutions that they can propose to building owners on how they can improve on occupancy comfort, efficiency of their equipment, that's longevity, reduce energy costs, and at the same time, maximize the use of space within their properties as a whole. Awesome. What kind of sort of technology choices are you looking at to do these kind of things? And how do you go about it? Is it that your company wants to sort of know everything and you are going to be the responsible for sort of like providing this technology? Or do you work within like an ecosystem kind of way, listening to the customers, what needs they have, and then finding the right technology or finding the right partners to handle this technology? How do you go about it in bringing the value to the customers? We first and foremost have to listen to them, what their problems are. And after we listen to what their problems are, we go back to the drawing board, analyze your problem, right? We look at how much risk you are willing to take regarding the problem they have at hand. And we provide such solutions to them. By extension, it also depends on what the customer wants, if they're interested in other collaboration or other partnership. But as a company as a whole, we ensure that uh, because uh, we are a full trade company, so our solutions covers end to end, right? And um, we try to provide what we have to them on a best practice note. I love what you're saying that you're talking to the customer, listening to what the problems are, then going back to the drawing board, right? It's very, very owner driven. I've heard that from a lot of different construction companies, vendors, et cetera, that if it's not like driven by the customer, driven by the owner, then it's not going to happen. But it's also like a push-pull, I guess, and understanding what they want and them for not necessarily saying that they want what they want, right? Or want what they need, I would say. You're going back to the drawing board. You have listened to their problems. Are you the ones that supply the solutions or is it more okay, let's find the best people to work with us in providing that value for the customer. As a company, we are the ones who provide these solutions to the customer, right? We don't go out looking for other contractors. We provide the solution because in-house, we have the technical experts who are subject matters in these areas. And we put together a proposition for these customers and uh, we work towards ensuring that they buy into the smart technology we are providing to them. And at the end of the day, it turns out to be a win-win. And also by extension, there are still some potential customers, some existing customers who we need to migrate into that smart space. So because of that existing relationship, we go 
back to them from time to time to reorientate them about what relevance is out there for their own benefit, as it were. So it's a two-way thing. We have some new customers who they need us to educate them on what to do with their equipment and their facilities, particularly with uh, the effect of COVID now. We have some existing customers who are interested or they have heard about smart building and all of that, and um, they are interested in us providing a solutions to their problem. And we also have existing customers who are not really in a hurry, right? But because they somewhat believe in um, the service we provide to them, they are willing to listen to us. And um, when um, they see that what tell them makes sense, they are willing to change the contract into something that is smart and of value to them as a company. Where do you see that these companies are getting their ideas from? They've heard that uh, or Googled something about smart buildings. Is it that their neighbor is uh, building or right, retrofitting their buildings to be smart buildings? Is it about all the buzzwords of AI? Or is it that they're so used to utilizing modern technology when they're at home? What do you see there? What are the drivers for change, I think, from the customer side? I want to believe that most of um, the change that comes from the customer side as a result of maybe what they are read on the internet, they saw on the television, as it regards um, Industry 4.0, maybe they might have become inquisitive to find out, okay, how does this affect them as a building owner and how can they satisfy their own customer right, in a more efficient way. So I believe it was from there, they might have one way or the other from a layman standpoint, got to know about AI, machine learning, or smart building, digital train, building automation, remote control, and all of that. So from there, they might have become concerned or as a result of that, got disturbed as in order for them to also stay in business for other smart solutions that could enhance their own facility for value to their own customers. And by extension, newer buildings of today are embracing the use of smart technology. So in order for them to be able to come in with some retrofits of their own existing facilities, they are in search of solutions that could um, bring these answers to them as a company. That's great. Come a little bit everywhere around. And you said something about like layman's terms, right? How important is that to sort of like demystify all the buzzwords like AI, machine learning? Yeah, you said like digital twins. I think you said all of them, right? How important is that when you're talking to customers, which I suspect or I understand that they're their owners? How does it work? Beyond just using the buzzword, like we try to bring learning on understanding to the customers in a very layman understanding because uh, we should bear in mind that some of these building owners are baby boomers, right? And um, they might not be too friendly with the use of technology buzzwords we have out there today as compared to the millennials who are fast learners. So we try as much as possible to explain the benefit of these solutions that are out there today in the simplest way can as possible for them to be able to embrace the learning aspect of it and for them to acquire knowledge and for them to be able to combat the old thinking into what it is today. It's not just um, something we just throw at them because if we do that, they might get confused or they might not be able to understand what we have as a solution for them. So we try as much as possible to break it down as low as you're teaching a kid alphabet or how to count his numbers. 
this has to do with the baby boomers at the But when you're talking to the millennials, it's much easier when we flow with some technical terms, which they are well used to. I think it's spot on what you need to do in order to sort of like bridge this gap and talk more about the benefits. How do you think that their organizations, because most of the traditional owners, while well, they are traditional, and most of companies revolved around and in the real estate space, they're also very traditional in the sense that they have roles, systems, culture, processes, and people that are used to doing something that they're used to, right? When it's smart building, whatever that is, do you think that should enforce a change from the organizations that manages these buildings? Does it have to? Or can a building be more equipped to actually work with the people and the processes and the systems that the owners' organizations that they actually have? Or does it have to be like both ways, that the smart building is also adapted both for its users, but also for the organizations that sort of like own them and uh, the technical asset management side of things? Or does it need to be a complete change of guard of the organizations in order to handle sort of like the data that are coming out of the buildings? What is your point there? And how do you see that your customers are actually managing this as in managing smart buildings instead of managing well, dumb buildings, to be honest. I think first and foremost, what um, is important is the need for a paradigm shift because um, in as much as what we tell the customer, if um, the customer is not um, ready to change his mind, it might just be an elephant project, as it were. And uh, it's a two-way thing. For some traditional buildings, it's important for them to realize that they don't really need to go all out and uh, taking out all of their existing equipment, right, for them to be able to embrace um, that building. Some of these buildings can come in through retrofit, right, and we try to look for how we could um, install sensors and all of that to see how equipment can be modified and upgraded into things that are smart. Those are for the old building. And for the new building, it's better when from the ongoing, um, the smart building is integrated from the drawing and and all of that. So it starts from the foundation of the building up through when it's been finished. So it's a two-way thing. For some, you just have to be hybrid. And for others, you have to go all out from inception and embracing smart technology. Okay, so it's important for the customer to actually understand that they need to change, but then in what sort of like degree of change that happens in a dialogue with the customer to see where they are, where they want to go and where they want to be. Is that correct? Yeah, that's where as a company, we go into what they have, like we carry out an assessment of uh, their existing equipment. And then from there, we could now recommend to them what we feel works best for them and also work with a reasonable budget which they have on the table, right? Because that's also important because there are a lot of solutions to provide to customers, but uh, we also need to pay priorities to the budgets which they are willing to spend for that financial year as regards um, the solutions we tend to provide to them. Awesome. And I think like the budget aspect, just understanding, okay, how much money you have dealing with and how much effort they're actually willing to take in combination with what you just said, as in, what is their affinity for change? If they don't have a budget, if they don't want to change, you said something about an elephant project, right? And I probably guess that that elephant 
just wants to sit around and wait until it dies. And I think that's basically what is going to happen, right? So, and then it, then it doesn't really matter if you or I or anyone else that are interested in smart buildings are dangling these grasses in front of them. They don't want to move. What do you do with those projects? Do you say like, okay, be an elephant, a lazy elephant, and then just leave them? Or, and more focus on the ones, like even if they are elephants, that they want to, the classic, like making elephants dance, right? Is that where you actually do an active choice? Or is it that you take projects because you want to take projects? What we most time do, because um, some customers, just like a baby, some start crawling fast, some you still need to carry them, right? And uh, some babies can start walking less than when you expect. So no customer is left out because um, everything has a global benefit, as it were, as it regards global warming, right, from a world's viewpoint. So for every customer we have uh, a contact with, like we keep on going back to them and um, making sure, like, we want to be top of the mind as regards what benefit they stand to gain, right? Because uh, we just can't um, just leave them out there and for them to be the ones who are going to lose because um, we are more interested in making sure that everyone migrates into something better as regards the use of technology for building owners. So we are always out there putting the word there to our, our customers. Like I said, the three layers of customers we have, the existing, the potential ones, and those who are willing to transform so fast. So we are always on their mind and always uh, we have a good relationship with them for them to see the readiness of what they stand to benefit as um, building owners. To be honest, I wasn't expecting much of my question or definitely not an answer, but I think that's one of the best answers that I've heard in terms of like sustainable project decision-making just going back to the clients and just putting into the narrative that it's in a global context and that, that we are in this together, right? And then if, if you have a city that has like 30% of the buildings that are not really, they're not willing to move anywhere, and then you have 70% that is smart, I mean, maybe that's not even a smart city. So, I mean, going at it from your perspective makes a lot of sense, but I've never heard it put it that way before. And I mean, like it just puts my thoughts into a different direction as well. Thank you so much for providing that answer, Sean. I mean, I really respect that. Even if it's just for you or if it's from your company, I think that's definitely how organizations should behave and how to think about so like the ones that don't really want to change, right? And just like to keep at it. And again, like we're in this together. For the futuristic aspects, I would say, I think that's also of interest, right? Digital twins, uh, AI, machine learning, what are your thoughts on that? Is that something that you need to be able to understand in order to better help your customers? Is that, again, like something that the customers, should they understand anything of it? Or should they be better at, let's say, describing their problem? That's what they should be experts at, their environment, and not so much stepping out of their comfort zone, but actually stepping into their comfort zone and for you to understand what they want, how they want it, what are their problems, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think about that? For some group of people, they are scared in terms of owners and employees because when this technology or these um, solutions are being embraced by them, a lot of people are likely to lose their job, right? So some of them prefer to remain traditional than embrace the benefit that has to come with it. 
But at the same time, when uh, we approach the customers, um, we like to let them understand that they don't really need to to be hands-on with the use of this technology. Rather, they could just have a broad overview of the use of it and how it's beneficial to them as building owners. So that's one of the things we emphasize most times to them because whether we like it or not, it has come to stay. So we also let them understand that there's an aspect of people and there's an aspect of process, right? I am of the opinion we need to let people understand that it should be people before process, right? We need to like make the people to feel secured about the new process that affects them, right, on their job. So uh, one of the things that we also do is to allow the people upskill themselves, like um, renew their mind, renew their skill sets. And because at the end of the day, humans are still the ones who control these intelligent um, technologies that uh, we have today, right, in the industry. So there's a place where we also emphasize to employees and building owners to take some new learning experience, take some new continuous education in these areas so as for them to be comfortable of what is to come because whether we like it or not, these um, smart um, solutions have come to stay. Within this decade, it's going to hit everyone, right? And for you to stay competitive as a business owner, you need to embrace it else. You might become obsolete in the way you think and the way you go about trying to provide your own services to customers. And hey, Every customer you have out there is looking for something they would consider as a comfort for their own life. So that is just the way it's going to be uh, within the decade. And it's going to happen faster than we think, all thanks to COVID. In your opinion, then, going back, let's say, six months, seven months before COVID and now after COVID, what do you see? Is there a sense of urgency? And I mean, what is the state of, well, let's say, just commercial buildings today in your area of Canada? Is it that people are coming back to the offices? Are they still sort of like working from home? Will there be the same sort of like supply demand that we've seen before? What is the change? What is the new normal from your perspective? As of now, it's a hybrid one. So take, for instance, at Inksworks, right, uh, the numbers of employees that resume to the office has now increased because um, there's a lot of interdependency and there's a constant need for some of these cross-functional individuals to meet up. So what we've been able to do as a company, we have been able to abide by the new rules of um, two meters apart, right? Where at least every of my colleagues, we have our notes max, we have our hand sanitizers and all of that. So we look for the best way in which the team can come back to that is those that are very important to come back to the office and uh, work as a team. Because um, to be honest, the sudden change, it's not something people were prepared for. So it's going to take a while. Like we need to like keep on, like I said, it's going to be a hybrid kind of office uh, operation that is going to be going on. And maybe after a while, if we decide to go back to the traditional way of working, or better still, we decide to go virtual, time will tell. So before now, a lot of people were expecting what was going to come. Like we were still, even from the customer standpoint, they were not really so keen on paying attention to the benefit for what smart building has for them, right? But with what has hit um, the world globally, they are now the ones who are now keen 
to reaching out to service providers to express their desires about what solutions is out there that's going to be of benefit to them. And um, another thing I also want to emphasize is that while some people are scared about how much you're going to be spending as regards this solution, we also go out there to let them understand that the modification right, which they're building can happen in phases. So it's not just going to be a one-off um, modification or what's the word we get to use. It's not just going to be one-off. It's something that we could do it as a project in phase. So we could say for the next um, for 2021, these are some specific deliverables that is going to be achieved for them as a customer, right? And uh, we could say, we could give them maybe like another six months to recoup financially and we could then move on to phase two of the project. So we just try to look for a place of comfort more or less a win-win situation for the customers and for us as a service provider. Going back to what you said earlier, it's more about understanding where they are and then saying, okay, this is maybe what a smart building is, but I mean, we don't need to do everything at once. Let's do it in steps based on if you want to crawl, you want to run, all of these kind of things. And also based on whatever your financial situation, realizing that it's the life cycle perspective that matters, right? Exactly. Vendor lock-in, and again, like, this dealing with expecting the unexpected for the future. Is that important when we're talking about smart buildings as in flexible real estate? And then if another COVID happens or if sort of like a vaccine comes and then everyone can go back to work and have these, again, like flexible real estate spaces and smart building technologies, vendor lock-in, having a data strategy, realizing that data is so like the value is created by the ones that are looking at it or the systems that are going to use it. How does that cater into what you're doing as well? And also what kind of products do you use? Are you looking at, do they have open APIs? Are they interoperable? How long does it actually take to get data out from the systems? And, or are you sort of in the hands of the vendors as in how digitally mature they are? As in now, no, we're a Siemens something or Johnson Controls something, which you mentioned before, and we only, quote unquote, use their systems, irrespective if they are the best in the world or if they're sort of like slow pace or whatever. How do you go about it? As much as we understand that um, there are some major players in this space of industry with regards to um, smart solutions, the Siemens, the Johnson Control, it depends on the customer because um, we can't go out of providing services to the customer when they are specific about some brands, let's just say some big brands as it were. So right. So what we try to do is that we try to see how we could marry what they want from other vendors, right, with what we can provide as a company to them. Some customers are so keen about some particular brand and we try to see how we could marry our own solutions with this brand and some are just interested, like, hey, you just provide everything holistically for our own benefit. So that is where we are as a company and um, for customers. So that is how it is at the moment. Some customers will not take your solutions end to end. Some customers has this existing brand or product in their facilities. They tell us how do we tend to provide solutions around the existing product or, or from this particular brand. So that is the way it is. It's not just one that fits all. Some they already have some existing equipment from bigger players, as it were. So they are more keen on us um, looking for how we could work with their own existing 
brand and equipment for their own good. Perfect. Would you say that you prescribe to sort of like this um, acronym that is an MSI, a Master Systems Integrator? Is that what you are? Yeah. Yes, you're right. You're right about that. From your perspective, what is an MSI? Like a Master Systems Integrator, right? The perspective that I have, it's basically someone that stands on the side of the owners or the customers. And again, like going back to everything that you said, to be honest, listening to where they are, understanding what technology choices they want to make, good or bad. That's sort of like the reality that we all have to adhere to at times. It might not be the best, but then make the best of the situation where they are, where they want to be with a basic understanding or a very maybe extensive understanding of where the world is going. Is that something where you think you are as an individual working in this space as well as the company that you're working for? Yes, yes, that's where we are because um, most of the solutions that for now are going to be embraced, they all need to be integrated into one solution for now, right? And maybe, like I said, uh, you know, other things that which uh, the key players are trying to address that most of these things should be like an open system for there to be integration with other solutions that are out there. So there's a need for other brands, right, to ensure their own product line are like open source, as it were, for other systems to be integrated, which for some it's possible. And for some, maybe the readiness is not yet there or they're looking for how to make their own product line to be open for other ones to come on board and they could integrate. and. I think that's where it is. So like, uh, it's not really where they want to be, right? But there's a right step in this direction in seeing that uh, they all integrate under one umbrella. Interesting. So it's more towards an open future, whether maybe companies like it or not. That's where the world is going, right? Exactly. Awesome. And how do people find you if they want to talk to you? You could find me on LinkedIn. They could DM me privately for any questions, uh, and I'll be willing to answer them as the best time available. Thanks so much. Is there anything, so like the final words in how to meet the future in the best way possible that you see that you want to leave the listeners with? A few words to people out there is um, smart building has come to stay. They don't need to be scared about the buzzword. They just need to work around how best it affects their own buildings and the benefits to their own occupants. And uh, more importantly, we should also see that um, global warming is a serious thing at hand and uh, we should work towards reducing the footage of carbon in the environment and at the same time reduce the use of energy. And with that, um, the world will become a sustainable one for everyone to live. Fantastic. Thanks again, Shar, for taking the time and sharing your valuable wisdom with us. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much, Nicolas, for this time. I enjoyed every bit of it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Beyond Buildings podcast. And also a big thank you to our sponsor, Platform of Trust. For those of you who want to collect, harmonize and trust data from anywhere in the world and make sense of it in a much, much faster way than ever before. Thank you.